thing is all right and we are live hey 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 so What's good up? evening gentlemen good evening good evening how was you guys day so you far? as well yeah thank you thank you so how did you how did you how did your interview go, Sean? Have uh, you guys met? Do you guys know each other, Sean, Alex? Uh-uh. No, I haven't met Sean. I just got a second that I could go over there and look at his page, but then we got started and I didn't really get much of a chance to. So, so Sean so Sean is from California. When he gets done um Jeffing off, I'll let him. <laughs> but Sean's from California. He um well go ahead, Sean. Let him know who you are. Uh, yeah, my name's Sean Dustin. I'm from California. I host a podcast called Nowhere to Go But Up. Um, formerly incarcerated, uh, knucklehead, drug addict, uh, all around. Uh, <laughs> used to be not a good person and changed all that. And now I'm just trying to help people. Mm. Word to that, man. That's sums. I think all three of us probably up in a, in a, in a quick couple of words there. That was, that was where I was too. Um, hadn't been out too long, but while I was in there, I, I went through RDAP and, uh, I, I became part of the reentry committee in there. We were all required to be part of a committee. So I signed up for the reentry committee cause you know, I was one of the guys who was actually able to do things in the world pretty effectively, but just chose not to. <laughs> so, uh, um, got into the reentry committee, man, and just, and just really found a passion for helping people. Ended up becoming a, a one of the mentors for for RDAP and stayed after and helped a bunch of guys do a lot of good things. So brought that passion out out from behind the fence with me and uh, trying to do the work now out here where I got more resources to do it with. So that's good awesome. to meet you, man. Yeah, you too. Uh, I, I I never I didn't have enough time to even qualify for RDAP. So like right. I I only had like eighteen months. So like when I got there, I got comfortable. And by the time I got comfortable and got a routine together, it was our time to go again. <laughs> right. Well, so. I, did, I didn't get the year off or anything. Funny, quick story of how I wound up in RDAP, man, was um, I was at FCI Beckley in West Virginia. And uh, I got my points down low enough to go to a low. And they said, uh, okay, well, we're going to send you to Louisiana. And I was like, Louisiana? And I've got a daughter that lived, she was about four hours from where I was in West Virginia. And uh, my mom looked it up and she's like, Justin, Alex, that's 700 miles from where we are. We won't be able to bring her to come and see you. So the the guy who was running RDAP, he had almost as much power as the warden did at at the FCI. So I went and talked to him and, and he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll get you into RDAP over here. So the day that I got moved over to RDAP, I was actually on the move sheet to go over to RDAP and I was on the A&O call out to go pack out to go to Louisiana. And mm -hmm. he had to call and get all that canceled and stuff. So I wound up in RDAP, but you know, how I got there, I don't think really matters. It was the point that that's, that's really where I found my passion to get out and, and pieces started coming together for me to, to do better for myself and then help others do better once I got out. So that's I'm excited awesome, about man. it. Now, Alex, was that Yazoo? Yazoo City, to where I was gonna go, or where I was yeah, at. the and and where you said Louisiana and isn't Louis, Yazoo? No, in, it was Oakdale. 
Oakdale, okay. Yeah, yeah. I heard Oakdale was okay. Right, okay, Mississippi, yes. okay. Yeah, Zoo's in Mississippi, Oakdale. I heard it was okay, and I wouldn't yeah. have minded, but at the time, I had like a year and a half left on my bid, and that would have been like a year and a half I didn't get to see my little girl, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really go in for that. And, you know, I had my issues before I came to prison and stuff anyway, so RDAP wasn't a bad deal for me. Um, you know, I, I was 45 years old when I got locked up and when I did, I was like, okay, well, all right, time to get your shit together. You know, um, you don't, you don't been a knucklehead for 45 years. So, you know what you mm -hmm. need to do. You just need to start doing it. Yeah. So our debt for me wasn't a bad move and it wasn't a tough decision either. I was like, all right, let me go do this. And, uh, yeah. So Sean had a question. What, what were you going to ask him, Sean? No, I was going to say, how, how long have you, uh, you've been out? Uh, about nine months, actually yeah. nine months, a couple of days ago. Yeah. Nice. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. How about yourself? Well, I, I got out in 2006, uh, oh, okay. did, a, did a couple violations and didn't get off the <laughs> meth, didn't get off the meth until 2010 and then slipped into a seven year opiate addiction and, Ooh. You know, but I was still able to function on that. So I was still able to keep leveling up and doing the things that I was doing. And it wasn't until I started my podcast, or actually about six months before I started the podcast, that I'm like, you know, if you're going to be talking to people about the things you want to talk to people about, you you need to stop doing this because right. how are you know what I mean? How are you going to tell anybody anything while you're sitting there popping pills and selling pills and you know what I mean, doing all right. that behavior still? And yeah, so it's that hard was, to be authentic like that. Yeah. And so that was kind of the, the beginning of that. And then I used uh, edible marijuana to transition off of the, um, the, the pills and, you know, kind of lessen the, the withdrawals from it. So what, what do you guys want to, to really discuss as far as, as um, some of the emotions that we go through? Do you want to um, discuss like as far as when we first went in or, how we're dealing with life now as, as a transition. Well, I think what do you it, think is more relevant? Uh, I don't know. I mean, because, it, you know, for, it, if I'm talking about myself, I mean, none of the, none of the issues that I was dealing with prior to incarceration were even dealt with while I was in incarceration. Right. Because I didn't get any programming. I didn't get anything. All I got was some yard time and a better body. And when I left, I was still the same toxic person that I was when I came in. It right. just expressed itself differently, you know. And well, for me, my my interest is always in where the transition occurred. You know, that's where my interest is at is in each person that I speak to that has went through um, some challenging stages in their life because there's so many people out there going through challenging stages in their lives. And like Alex's transition and Sean's transition may have been two completely different transitions. Absolutely. And, and what Alex went through may be able to help somebody and what Sean went through may be able, you know, be able to help. So that's always where my interest is at. But I, I really want this program to be as fruitful as possible because an hour goes quick. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get lost in anything too much. I want to try to be as diverse as possible with, with emotions that everybody can kind of relate to. Um, so I guess let me, let me start off real quick. So sure. for me, 
the biggest thing that I deal with, I'm just going to go with today, right? I've been out four years. Um, when I came home, I thought I was prepared. I thought, you know, I was, I, I had the world by the balls and uh, I quickly found out that, you know, I, I was prepared for prison, but I wasn't prepared for life, you know, and it, it, it took me by, by surprise and it knocked me off and it shook my confidence. Um, it made me insecure and it kind of put me back in the same spot as to where I was feeling before I went in, you know, um, which I guess now is a good thing that I reflect on that because um, I had a chance to fall back into crime and, and um, I just, it's not there for me. You know, the desire to do bad at all is just not there, you know, and now I'm just dealing with the anxiety. The biggest thing I deal with is anxiety. I barely get any sleep. I'm very edgy at times. It, it, it interferes with my relationship. Um, I'm nervous, you know, and just, just, just anxious, anxious, anxious. So these are some of the things that I deal with now, um, every day. And uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, depression for me, I've, I've never had a, an issue with depression. I do have an issue with anger, but that kind of spawns from the anxiety. I don't like it. When, when I start getting anxious, I get very wound up. I, I become very tight. I become very edgy. And I kind of get very reclusive. And um and it's very hard on a relationship, you know. If the woman, you know, didn't love me the way that she did, she wouldn't be here because of 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 my actions, you know. So um that's it for me. That's kind of what I deal with on a daily basis for me. I can see that. Um well, you know, and, and it makes a lot of sense that you talk about um, some of the things that, that caused you to, you know, get angry about stuff. Cause I think that it seems like I read it somewhere, but it makes perfect sense to me that, you know, anger comes from fear. Um, in most cases, you know, just, just talking about straight up emotional stuff and emotions, you know, anger usually comes from frustration and, and fear, not knowing how to handle situations and not knowing how to, to deal with the situation that you're in. And uh, so that makes a lot of sense that you feel that. Um, did you have, just out of curiosity, if you don't want to say it, that's fine. Mm, I don't, no, I, no. I, I mean, I, we're all here to share. I don't, I don't know that uh, that much about your history. You and I have just recently gotten really connected with each other, but did you have an addiction problem in the past? No, that's one thing no. about me is, is, as I did not have an addiction problem, I was the pusher. Okay. I was, I was the other guy. Okay. I was just curious about that because I, I have addictions. I mean, because I don't want to, we all have addictions of some sort, yeah. you know, and, and, and I've, I've had, my addiction was ego. That's what my addiction was. I mean, that to me, ego was, came before anything, yeah. you know, I came before everything. So, and I still battle that now today. It's, it's a tough one to challenge, uh, a tough one to do in the, in the competitive world that we live in, you know, where, where everybody's watch out for themselves and you don't have a lot of people that you are know, really looking out for each other. So now I was just curious about that. Um, with my range of emotions, I mean, I've gone through a lot, dude. And I was a, 
my drug of choice or whatever you want to call it was alcohol. I was a drinker. Um, I was never running in the street shooting heroin or smoking crack holed up in a hotel. I was never any of that. I just, I stayed home and drank, um, you know, to the point where I couldn't function in life. I couldn't keep a job. Um, I couldn't do any of those things. And I think, I think on a subconscious level, I was like, all right, you got to do something drastic in your life. I had a four-year-old daughter when I went to prison and I was very close to her and loved her very dearly, but I couldn't be a good dad because I was drunk all the time. But that didn't keep mm. me from being involved in her life. And I was like, okay, you, you're going to have to do something drastic in your life to change the, the course that you're on. And I think there was a subconscious part of me that was like, you got to go hit a lick. And, and I was in for robbing banks. So um, I went out and did that and caught my bid and went in and was like, all right, time to get your shit together. So, you know, part of my whole journey with, with, figuring out how to get myself together was really taking a hard look at myself and working on dealing with the emotions that I felt. I had a lot of anger issues as well. And looking back on them now, I can say without any doubt that they came from frustration <clears throat> at me not being able to cope with the way the world was. I wanted to change the way the world was. <clears throat> I wanted to make it suit me rather than me suiting it. And we all know that shit don't work. Don't so, work, buddy. Um, mm. so uh, the thing that I learned from it for me personally was that, you know, the mind works like a muscle, you know, you have to condition it and work on it and, and, and do that on a pretty consistent basis for you to get the kind of results that you want. So I literally had to start monitoring what I was thinking, or at least being mindful of what I was thinking and trying to catch myself when I started spinning off into a, a, a an anger thing or or just being negative and pissy about something, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of hard at first and you don't do it all the time, but if you start doing it eventually a little bit here and there, it's like, okay, yeah, this, this isn't doing you any good to be mad about this. It's, mm. it's like drinking poison to kill somebody else. So you start catching yourself doing that and you got to stay at it. But if you stay at it, you'll start catching yourself doing that more and more. And what I found was that eventually I was able to turn myself into a pretty positive person. So the emotions that I deal with today are coming after, you know, probably three years of me working on changing my thought patterns and, and where I'm at now, the life that I have now is freaking amazing, dude. I mean, I'm so much more of a happy person since I got out the nine months that I've been out, I have accomplished a great deal. I just landed a job that I love. And so the emotions that I deal with right now are great. Um, but I did have to overcome a lot of the kind of things that you're talking about. And it's not easy, <laughs> but it's well worth it. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah, Mr. Snow. Um, for myself, it was uh, anger was the main thing um, that I dealt with uh, and manipulation. Um, and also, um, you know, like I said, in 2010, you know, I stopped the meth and I started on this trajectory going upwards. And what I realized is that, well, you know, I took the, the substances away and even, even taking the pills, uh, you know, that, that kind of helped, but it, it, the anger was still there. You know, it wasn't doing its job as far as like stuffing those emotions down and, and numbing them like meth did. Right. Because when I was in meth, I, I was smoking meth and out there doing that. I, I checked out everything. I didn't feel anything. And 
you know, it just started spilling out everywhere, you know, like in, I'd be playing softball and all of a sudden somebody would set me off and now I'm trying to fight the whole team, right. That I'm playing against and I'm doing well, you were this. That guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> and now I'm doing this in front of everybody. And it's like, you know, like, like what does that look like? You know, like, I was the guy that was always constantly having to apologize tomorrow for the shit I did today. And, you know, who knew what it, when it was going to be, who knew when I was going to blow up. Um, I was a toxic person in all my relationships. Um, I was, I was uh, mentally, emotionally, and um, verbally abusive to the women that I was with. A lot of that had to do with me projecting my own hatred towards myself onto them. Um, and, you know, that didn't stop until, I mean, my, I would say probably until two years ago when I really, really started taking a look at who I was. And then my daughter, you know, I have a daughter too. She's almost four. Um, she was witnessing this at a certain point, right? You know, when she was two years old, she, uh, what I, what I, I was in a rage and I was yelling at my ex and arguing and, and all this stuff. She was behind me. And then I looked back and she was gone it snapped me out of whatever I was going through and I went to go look for her like, Oh, where'd she go? And she was in the furthest part of the house hiding and crying and cowering. And that was like, it snapped me out of it. And I was like, Holy shit. I'm like, I wonder if that was me when my parents were fighting. And so it really got me to look at the cycle. I'm like, here I am just recreating that whole traumatic thing all over again to the next generation. And so one more time it happened um, and we were in the car. Uh, I'd already, I'd already left the relationship after that. Cause I was like, right, well, this is not going to continue to happen because all I'm doing is setting her up to fail in the future. When she comes across a person like me and realizes, you know, that she's being abused emotionally and mentally and all this stuff, but she doesn't leave because, well, that's what my parents used to do. That's normal. Right. And it's not normal. <laughs> it, no. a, lo a loving relationship doesn't look anything like that. You know, of course you're going to argue with your significant other, you know, of course you're not always going to get along, but to go to the degree that I would, you know, and just be that toxic person, you know, everywhere that I went, in my job, in my, you know, my life. And that's just how I was showing up. And I literally had to, you know, a lot of this happened. A lot of the change started when I, when I started listening to podcasts and I was listening to Joe Rogan for probably three years before I started my own. And then I started following Jordan Peterson and I started following Sam Harris and I started following Lex Friedman, all of these intellectual people, and I had them in my ears for like 10 to 14 hours a day, you know, while I'm working. Yeah. And, and so it was, it was the weirdest thing because it was like, without me even realizing it, my mindset started shifting and going this way and thinking like them and start and the things that they would say would play in my head. And I started wanting to be a better person. I started wanting to be somebody that like, wasn't like that. And it really wasn't until I started coming out in my podcast and talking about being an abusive person that it stopped having the power over me. Because once I, un once I pulled it out of the closet and said, Hey, this is it. This is who I was, man. You know, I can't hide it anymore. 
You know, this is the abusive person that, that I showed up as. And it's, I'm not bragging about it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm ashamed of it. And, but the thing that, that people don't realize is that living in shame, pain, and fear festers and, and, and manifests it everywhere. When you well, don't it talk it about multiplies it. itself inside you because yeah. it sits there and you can feel it, but you can't really do anything about it. So it just sits there and grows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just, you know, once I started bringing it out and once I brought it to light and, you know, took it out of the darkness and then it just started going away slowly, but surely it's not gone by any stretch of the imagination, you know, like I'd say about two months ago, or maybe not even that, maybe about a month and a half. Um, I was driving or I was leaving where I was living, um, pulled out, didn't see a car coming. And I didn't think that I cut him off really, but apparently he thought I did. And so he started riding my ass and I could, I could feel my, my teeth starting to grit. I could feel my, my hands on the steering wheel gripping tighter. My, my, my heart started beating my breath, my breathing started becoming rapid. And when he went to go around me, I went and tried to, and try to cut him off just like that. Like in a split second, like I didn't even have time to think about it. That's just what happened. And he, I cut him off. And he started riding my ass again. I slammed on the brakes and he almost hit me. And then I moved up again and I pulled over when I got over. So I wanted to, I wanted to fight this dude. Right. Luckily he kept going. But once I had a moment to just sit there and I'm like, God, man, I thought you were gone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, here, here, here I'm doing so well, man. I, I feel like I had this thing under control and I'm talking about it. And, and it's like, Bam, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And, but what I did is I, I took like lessons from what I've learned. So let's dissect this. Let's, let's reverse engineer this whole thing, right? I'm sitting there on the side of the road going, okay, what are you going through? What's, you know, what are those triggers that you just, that I just told you were happening? So now I know when that starts to happen again, okay, I know what's going on. Here it is. Here, here he is. <laughs> He's back you know yeah. and uh and you did but, that after the moment yeah like you like as soon as it happened you stopped and 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 when i pulled over when i pulled yeah. over and he didn't and he kept going i was like all right <sighs> caught my breath what just happened right yeah. yeah yeah like how did this how did it just go from that to that so fast i mean it was a matter of two minutes right and what i'd realized was um I was dealing with something that I wasn't talking to anybody about. I was, I was having to, you know, work. I'm having to go back to work. Um, which I've been on temporary disability for a year. That's running out. I don't want to go back to the job that I don't like. Um, there's all of these emotions around that. I'm trying to pivot into doing something. I've been doing it for a year, trying my hardest to like turn that corner and turn this podcast into something that I can monetize. Um, and it wasn't working out. It just, you know, it just wasn't time yet. Right. And so there's all these things and that are just boiling up inside of me that I can't control. And instead of talking about it, cause when we talk about it, it's like that pressure release. Yeah. Sure. It's exactly you know what, what I mean. Is. And, and I didn't do that. <clears throat> and so that's where that came from. Right. And it's that fear, 
the fear of having to go back to doing the thing that I don't like, which is going to keep me from doing the thing that I love. Right. You know, you, you guys, man, you guys brought up a lot of great points, man. And, and look, look, look at the diversity that we got. I mean, Alex's issue was, was alcohol and um, Sean's issue, you know, was, was, what what was the drugs? I mean, what got you into the meth to begin with, Sean? Quickly, um, it was just I don't know. My my friends were doing it and they wouldn't let me do it, and so I figured out I'm going to find a way to to get it, and I did, and fell in love with it, and you know had an 18 year relationship with it off and on. So, um, but I was but I was selling drugs too, to you know, because I was I was a part of what you were doing. Well, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, I don't know. The the doing the drugs came first, and then finding a way then to supply to, myself, to support the habit. Okay, so yeah. this is what I'm trying to find out. So, because I, I've seen it both ways. Again, I'm I'm on the other side of the road. So I've seen where guys will start hustling, um, and they'll they'll toot some cocaine to to keep them hustling all night. They'll run out of coke. Next thing you know, they're smoking it, and then two weeks later, they're 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 gone. So. Um, this is why I always ask, like, what was the catalyst, you know? So is it fair to say, Sean, that, that at that time in your life, you were, you were a follower behind your friends and you just wanted to keep up with them and you felt like you were being left behind? Yeah, I wanted to, yeah. Cause they would go into like, we'd all be hanging out and then they'd disappear into a room, lock the door. And like, I'd be like, Hey, what, what are you doing? No, go away. And so they, yeah. they would, they wouldn't let me in. And, and I was asking one of my other friends, I'm like, what are they all doing in there? And he's like, Oh, they're doing this. And so, you know, I, I found a way to get it. And then I tried it. And, you know, I mean, I've always been somewhat of a, of a leader my whole life, but I just, the problem was, is I would lead people in the wrong direction. The manipulation would come out the, you know what I mean? And so when Try I was, this, when, it'll make you feel good. I'm sorry. I mean, cause yeah. Try this, it'll uh, make you feel good. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, you know, even when I was, you know, doing drugs and supporting my own habit, um, I was still, I was, I would have the guys that were slamming dope doing crime for me. Right. And I would be paying them in meth to go and do smash and grabs and to do, um, you know, home and not home invasions, but like burglaries and stuff like that. And I'd give them the vehicle to go do it. And so, you know, that's kind of like what I was doing. I mean, I was still sort of running stuff, but I always would hang out with people that were just below me. Like I had just a little bit more than they did. You know what I mean? So I was like the king of the dipshits. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See, and I guess my issue, my issue was, is, is I was just, so you brought up a good point. And before I get into really what, what that was, what my issue was, was, I, I want to explain to you, Sean, what it is as a kid to watch his father fight the softball team and all that, because that was me. My father was an alcoholic and my father had a very, very bad temper and my father was a brawler. So you couldn't say anything to him. You couldn't even look at him because once he got past so many drinks next thing i knew he would tap me on the shoulder and say son that guy's over there looking at me and i don't like how he's looking at me you know and i would tell him i'm like nine years old right dad he's not looking at you man you know (laughs) and he would go over there and end up fighting the guy so i'm i'm at a baseball game 
right? I played baseball and I didn't know how good I was until I got inside into prison. And I really got into my own and I just started to realize my athletic talent that I had. But I played baseball since I was five years old. My father made sure I played every year. The last year I played, I was eight years old. And we were at this game. It was a night game. And my father was slap drunk in the stands, right? Stands are full. And I'm, I'm nervous in the game because my father's drunk. I can't even concentrate on the game because I'm worried about my father fighting somebody in the stands, blah, blah, blah. I'm, where I'm just embarrassed, really, you know? And sure enough, I miss a ball. It's a divisional playoff game, you know, for the little league. Coach takes me out, puts me on the bench. And what the hell do you think happened? Uh And my father got up off them bleachers and went during the game. This is the middle of the game. Went around into the baseball field, grabbed the coach. He's trying, the coach is trying to get away from my father's chasing him, trying to grab him, swing at him, kick him, all kinds of stuff. And I'm just sitting over there like on the bench with my head down. Man, listen, I got teased in school. My father would still make me go because he paid for the baseball thing. So now he still makes me go to the, I still have to finish the season, you know, because he paid for it. So now I'm, I'm, at, I'm at, the, at the practice now with the coach. It was just, it was, it was a hard time for me, man. And I didn't know how to deal with those things as a kid. And I kept everything internal because everything was just chaotic around me. And what I hear you guys say right, is a lot of what my lifestyle was. And that's just emotional decisions, emotional decisions. I had, I had an incident like what you're talking about, Sean, where I'm on the phone with my wife. We're going to get, um, I'm going to get Dunkin' Donuts, 7.30 in the morning. I'm going to get her coffee, right? Now everybody's in a rush to go to work. I understand it's a two lane highway. I wasn't in a rush that morning and I'm on the phone with her. So the guy that was behind me was in a rush right? So I, when I go to make a left, I get in the left-hand turn to go into Dunkin' Donuts. This dude whips around me and pulls in front of me and, and jumps out of the car in the turning lane. I'm on the phone with her. I'm like, oh, baby, I gotta, I gotta call you back. This dude's getting out of the car. So I jump out of the car now and is a little Spanish guy. And when he sees me, because he's running up on the car, I'm not going to sit in the car. I got to get out. So I, when I jump out and he sees me, he stops. I, <laughs> I wonder right? why. So, so he stops and I tell him, I said, man, listen to me. I said, don't you ever get out of your car on nobody, man. I said, what the hell is wrong with you, man? I said, over a turning signal, you know? So he's like, man, I'm just, you, you know, you were going so slow and I'm just late. I'm like, that's not my problem, partner. You can't get out of the car, run up on my car like that. What the hell is wrong with you? So I told him, I said, man, go get back in your car and just relax, you know? But it, it, it was just that fast. I'm in a whole different plane of existence. I'm getting my baby some coffee. We're talking about what we're going to do for the day. And just that fast, things can, can catapult. So in those situations, how do we make sure, because none of us can make, none of us can get in no trouble like that, right? They'll throw the key away at us. So how do we make sure that when those situations arise, how do we make sure that we're in control at all times? Simple answer is practice. 
Mm -hmm. Truly. Um, I tried to come up with some stuff while we were in RDAP because part of that was giving lectures and, you know, being able to hold a seminar. And, uh, man, I tried to come up with acronyms. I tried to come up with something and, and I, I still strive for it and want to someday, but there, there is no, you know, my thing was flash a stop sign up in your face and try to come up with an acronym for stop picture in my baby girl, you know, my daughter in my face when I try to get into a situation like that. But really the only thing is to practice, to, to start to learn how to work your brain instead of having your brain work you. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it comes down to. Cause a line that I read in a book one time, it was a Stephen King book and I'm a huge Stephen King fan, but there was a girl that, that lost her temper as a teenager and trashed her room. And her dad went up and told her, he said, if you don't learn to control your emotions, your emotions will control you. And that was one of the most profound things that I've read because I was one of those people that my emotions completely and entirely controlled me. And still to this day, my face shows my emotions in a big way. I've had people tell me, oh, you, you souring up at that. What's going on? And I'm yeah. like, I, I, sorry, I wear my shit on my face. I, just, I can't help it. But through time and work, um, I've been able to just get a hold of it a little bit better. <clears throat> and it's really the, the, the point. There's a point that you're talking about. And I think you both know what I'm talking about. It, it doesn't gradually. You don't gradually get mad. Not, Not usually. Mm -mm. You go from zero to 60 in like 0.5 seconds. You know, Instantly. something hits you yeah. wrong. Somebody comes at you sideways, whatever it might be shit hits you and you're like oh fuck that right so only through you know like i'm talking about just just being able to monitor yourself and keep yourself in check and it starts with the little things like i was talking about before being able to you know you see yourself spinning down this this hole of negativity and oh now my day's gonna suck because this happened this one little thing that happened like you went to brush your teeth and you was out of toothpaste Something like that was the kind of thing that would trigger me to just go down this little spiral hole. Well, you start working on controlling that, and then you get a better handle on your emotions as well. Well, so so, can you give some just a couple examples of like when you say practice, what what is somebody to do when you say practice? Like, can, so can you give some examples of maybe something where somebody can just little but just stopped something that we do every day where, where we just lose our emotions over that. If we just took a second to, and just say, you know what, why? Well, you start with the little things really. I mean, and, and yeah, I can, I can give you some examples. Okay. Like one of the big, the biggest thing. And if you go look at my Facebook page, this is my little tagline on there. It says that 10% of your life is what happens to you. And 90% is how you react to it. Mm-hmm. You can take any situation and spin it the way that you want to spin it in your head to make it work for you. Even if something is, is, is would normally be construed as negative, you can take that as a learning lesson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I screwed this up. But if I learn from it, it's not necessarily a mistake. So it, it really starts with a change of, of the way you perceive things. So like something little that happens, all right, like, like somebody cuts you off in traffic. You can get upset about that and you can get mad about it and you then you can throw on some disturbed Metallica and feed that, which is what I would have done back in the day. 
-hmm. Or you can say, you know what, that person has got some issues going on. They're really in a hurry. Is this worth me getting upset and ruining my day over? And then just, you know, stopping yourself before it gets to that point. And you start with the little things because the little things aren't going to be the things that take you from zero to 60 in half a second. You know what I'm saying? Like the example I used earlier, like going to brush your teeth and you're out of toothpaste mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know, going to get some orange juice out of the fridge and somebody let that little swallow in the bottom, mm. you know, little oh, things man. like that. That's me. Not... I do that. <laughs> you're that I do, guy. I do that. You're that I, guy, that guy, man. That's the guy you're I that am. Fucking guy. We're gonna find out who you are, but that's the guy I am. I leave the little swallow in the in the bottom, and it drives people nuts. So what do, what do, what do you guys, Sean? Because I saw you raise your hand a minute ago. Yeah. So I mean, all of the things that we're, that we're talking about, these are all um, subconscious level stuff, right? These are auto responses that have been learned over long periods of time. And this is how we normally respond to it. Um, for me, it was anger. And that's how I responded to it. Lying was another one. I would lie for the dumbest shit. And, you know, just for no reason. And when I would stop and think about it, like, why'd you just lie about that? You know, you just made things even worse for yourself, because now you're going to have to, nothing that you're going to say around this is going to make you any sense or it just it just gets even worse 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 and worse and yeah. so but these these were these were things that were ingrained in my subconscious as to my operating system right we talk about being flashed into the operating system and so for me it was and to go along with 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 what you were saying it's uh and how you respond i stopped reacting emotionally and i started re responding intelligently and when i stopped reacting a lot things got a lot better i mean they didn't get perfect but you know it kept things in the forefront of what i was dealing with and as long as it's in front i can see it and i can step back from it as i'm dealing with it um, there was one thing that I, I was, I was going to say, and I just, I can't remember what it was, man. It just, it just went, um, as I was sitting there thinking about something else, but I mean, really it, it comes down to, to, you know, changing that behavior by replacing it with a new behavior. And, you know, like, uh, what, Al what Alex was saying is that, you know, you have to keep trying, um, you know, it's like, it, it's almost like a kid, like when you're, when your kid falls down and gets up and falls down and gets up and falls down and gets up at some point, as long as he keeps trying to get up, he's going to get up and it's going to work. You know, how many, how many times did it take me to stop trying to do drugs and do better? It took a hell of a long time. It took almost 18 years, right, but damn. when, when I well, even longer than that, but I mean, when I finally got serious about it, it, the time in between the failures were further and further and further and further apart. And so now when I fail, I fail forward because I learned from my mistakes. And like I did with the, with the incident, I stopped and I'm like, okay, what's going on? You know, what you, I mean, you got to have self talks with, I, I have to have self talks with myself all oh, the yeah. time. You all know what time. I mean? And it's like, you know, I just close myself in a room and just like, dude, what's going on? Man? Why, why are you, trying to pick a fight with your girlfriend for no reason. She isn't for doing no shit. She isn't doing shit. You're just going out there just trying to just trying to cause you're trying to gaslight her. You know what I mean? For no reason. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Um, you know, and it's it's awareness. You know, self-awareness is the key to all of this. 
once you become self-aware, you, you literally have no choice but to do better. <laughs> well, do you think that we're always self-aware or, and, and like, okay, so for me, like I always knew what I was doing. I just didn't care. Or um, like, I always knew that I was supposed to do the right thing or whatever, but I was just so egotistical and narcissistic at that time that I just didn't care. So do you think we were aware that we're being a dick? Like, like your example was a perfect example because how many times do we go and pick fights with our spouses because we're just, you got our panties in a bunch about something, you know what I mean? So you bring up such a great point. So how how often are we really aware that we're that way and we're just lying to ourselves and blaming her for putting the, the, the pickle jar upside down or whatever some stupid reason is, you know? Um, yeah. So are, are we really being honest to, with the, with, with ourselves? Well, I think a lot of that comes back to communication and being able to communicate with your, like me being able to communicate with my girlfriend about how I'm really feeling, um, you know, or you know, what it is like for me, manipulation is a, a huge thing. And I've constantly got to make sure that I'm doing things for the right reason. And it's not self-serving uh, because my ego wants to serve itself constantly. I want to be the, the, the king podcaster. I want to be Joe Rogan. I want to be all these things, you know, but I, I can't be any of those things until I'm putting other people first and then maybe that'll happen later, you know, but for me, I mean, it's, it's a constant struggle, man. It's a, it's, it's, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know, know any other way to say it. It's exhausting sometimes it's, um, it is, it's very exhausting. And, and as we talked about earlier, you know, with, with, with the, the ADD, compiled on top of that you know it's 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 triple exhausting for me because i can only focus on things in short bursts right but how i've learned to deal with my anger i have found through self-awareness is that i bottle shit and it could be just little shit that i know bothers me but i don't like to address it at that point because i'm i don't like negativity and i just i don't even want to address it but I'm finding that it's being stored somewhere in the back as a little itch. You know what I mean? And and as these little itches grow and then one day, yeah, I just blow up over the stupidest shit, you know? And through that self-awareness, that's when I started saying like, okay, I'm, I'm stockpiling little negativities and it's growing into a big negative ball. So I have to start checking that as soon as it starts coming in. Don't sit on it, just address it or deal with it or find a way that pacifies your mind. And by doing that, I have found that it's been much, much easier for me to control my anger and, and just pacify myself. Sorry, I'm drawing a blank Where'd you go, Thomas? You well, you, dis- you disappeared a minute ago for a minute. We can still hear you. I think we can still hear you, Thomas. Check, no. check, one. Mike, check, exactly. check, 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 one. No, so, I mean, I, you know, he makes a good point, too. And I, I was talking to my girlfriend earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You-